Hey, Colin, Jason here. I just have to tell you, ICRPG a day month is my favorite month. Just in case you didn't know, Jason Conley is in fact quite a fan of ICRPG. He introduced me to Altered State, played a few sessions with him, really enjoyed it, and then it went in the way of online games and kind of fizzled out. I can't remember, can't remember why now, but it's one of those things. And having said that it's ICRPG a day month, whilst it's going on in the background, day eight and nine of RPG a day and I've got no mention of ICRPG sorry to disappoint you Jason but thanks for the vote of confidence anyway Question number 8 Who introduced you to RPGs? Well, this is a super easy question for me to answer. It is the legendary Mrs. McConaughey. She was my teacher in infant school when I was six and seven, back in 81. Um, she taught me how to play D&D, but laid the foundations long before that by at carpet time reading us The Hobbit. It was really my introduction to that fantasy world of Middle-earth. And I don't really think before that I'd heard much about things like goblins and orcs or elves, any of that business. I'd certainly never heard of a hobbit. And it just captured my imagination and I was off and running. She also channeled my enthusiasm for, for, for strategy. She taught me how to play chess, and this kept me out of trouble. I previously would have been at the head teachers, I've told this story before, at the head teachers every day for fighting or, or getting myself in some kind of trouble. Uh, and I think I was just, just bored, and as a youngster, lacked the experience to know that that wasn't the way to find a way to occupy yourself. Without Mrs. McConaughey, I think my life could have taken a very different turn. Maybe not, maybe it would have been fine, maybe another teacher would have come along. Whether it would have been in time, uh, who knows, who knows. But gaming has been massive for me and I owe that, clearly owe that to Mrs McConaughey. I also think it's not just gaming. She spoke all sorts of different languages. She's half Dutch, half Irish. Played musical instruments, the guitar, all sorts, all sorts of stuff. Weirdly enough, I ended ended up going to see her to help me with the guitar as well. She was the person that explained to me that, that my guitar, the action on it was too high, which was making it virtually unplayable. She helped me with tuning. Uh, it was my dad's guitar, in fact. Uh, I ended up, he gave it to me and I, I kept it going. 
into this day I, I still play. And weirdly enough, this is how influential she was. Now that I'm a teacher, I had many conversations about getting into teaching. I, I stayed in touch with Mrs. McConaughey up until very recently. And she sort of, in some ways, put me off of teaching. She had a rough time. She had a, a difficult life in general, a very hard life, which, you know, makes her more inspiring in a lot of ways. Uh, I was friends with her son as well. So I had a lot of, a lot of time with Mrs McConaughey, but at the age of around 20, I'd looked at going into teaching and I'd gone back to Mrs McConaughey to do some work experience, helping out at a school and we, we had a trip to the, the zoo with the kids and I had a group and took them around and I think I knew then it was something that interested me but I just didn't know how to realise it. So yeah, like I say, I owe a huge debt. Question number nine. What is the second RPG that you bought? This question is a bit of a tricky one to answer. And I think it's because whilst we play, played lots of different games back in the day, I can't really remember too well how many of those I'd purchased and in what order. Now, I definitely had Mensa Basic, and I believe that was a shared present between me and my brother, or we bought it together, and I, I think he sort of said, oh, I, I'd say the players, and I was the DM, I looked after the DM book. We weirdly split that game. The, the expert rules, I can't remember where they came from, but I've got a feeling I traded them with somebody, um, so that that was kind of weird. I had Holmes Basic that somebody gave me, so I didn't buy that. Uh, Car Wars Deluxe set, I remember buying that. Definitely bought that, but not really a role-playing game. Although it did have a role-playing element to it. First edition... Warhammer Fantasy Battle that was given to me Ravening Hordes came with that that was given to me still got both of those Talisman was probably the first let me think yeah pretty sure that was the first kind of games workshop board game we ever had and don't remember how we got that uh, Cosmic Encounters I traded that for something. We did do quite a lot of trading. I was forever going to things like car boot sales, trying to pick games up. Had random copies of Dungeon and Dragon magazine. Bought them occasionally, every now and then. I think my parents agreed to get me a subscription to Dungeon magazine for a year as a like a birthday present. I remember buying the D&D Companion Rules, I bought that in Beaties, or I think it was Taylor and McKenna at the time. But I think, I think, and I'm pretty sure about this, I've narrowed it down to two. My second purchase was either Toon from Steve Jackson Games. We had a blast with that. 
I think I'd probably do a better job of running it now because as a D&D player, I struggled to get into the, the right mindset for that game. I like drawing the characters, but we tended to keep playing the Toon Olympics scenario over and over and it didn't, um, didn't do much else with it, to be honest. But it was fun, it was fun. But I think the most likely candidate for second purchase and in answering this question, I'm going to say Star Frontiers Alpha Dawn with the Crash on Volturnus module, the, the, the map and the little tokens that came with it. You had the light version of the rules and then the more adver advanced version of the rules all in the same box. This was the, the purple box version, like the, this. I don't know if you could really call it a second edition, but I was drawn to it. I was drawn to it because it had the, it had like a sticker or badge on the side, like TSR by the creators of Dungeons and Dragons type of uh, uh, branding on there. So there was that, that tie-in with Dungeons and Dragons. I loved the box art. I was watching sci-fi type stuff on the television so it, it captured my imagination still got it it's in pretty good shape i lost i've lost the uh the tokens well i think they're probably somewhere but i remember taking them out putting them in a little baggie and now they've been separated so that's a bit annoying having said that i don't think it's aged super well in terms of a system it's percentile based which i like but I don't know. I'm not sure about the skill thing in there. I can't imagine running it anymore, sadly. If I did, it would just be for the sake of nostalgia. And the trouble is, I've got too many other games. Although I'm getting rid of games, I've still got games I haven't played, which I would have to prioritise. So I'm a lot more focused on playing games that I know I'm going to like at the moment and games that I haven't played. I'm not in a rush to go digging out my old stuff that I'm pretty sure is, is a little bit iffy. I know there's fans out there still, and uh, more power to them. It is a, there's a good sort of um, base of fans. And there's also a bit of drama around the game, and I'm, I'm not interested in that. Uh, I don't know much about it, and I, I don't feel I need to know much about it. Toon, however, I think probably holds up a little bit better but i'm not in a rush to play that for the same kind of reasons both of them will be staying in the collection certainly for now i can't see myself parting with them and that's that's about all i've got to say there uh difficult difficult to remember those purchases and money was really tight at the time it and Proportionally, I think games were really quite expensive. I don't know if it's because they was coming from America or what. Yeah, didn't make a whole lot of purchases. It's just occurred to me I need to make a slight correction. Talisman was not the first of those kind of GW board games I picked up. We had the Doctor Who one and played that. Played Talisman first, a kind of um, a homemade version of Talisman that Mrs McConaughey owned and then bought Doctor Who and 
played that and then decided to get our own version of Talisman as well. So that was first edition Talisman in the green box and we played the hell out of that and eventually my brother took over with purchasing a load of expansions for that. I picked up the first expansion and then the second expansion that was called Adventure, I believe. Uh, at that point, I got out, Arfed got in, took over collecting expansions. Yeah, the rest is history, as they say. Oh, and there's a couple of glaring omissions on the RPG list. Firstly, the Black Box Masters D&D, or Master Set for D&D, with, a, I think it was like a gold dragon, or bronze dragon, something like that on the front. And then the other one, which is probably been forgotten for the sake of my own sanity and that was uh, first edition paranoia came in a hardcover uh, who made that uh, West End games yeah well I've made my thoughts on that game pretty clear <laughs> and uh, yeah less said about that the better I think <laughs> Hey, Colin, Jason here, enjoying this resurgence in regular podcasting from you. Two comments, wow factor. So I don't know if you listen to or you have a chance to, they're kind of long episodes, but there's a podcast called Frankenstein's RPG where they design, they take bits, they argue about what are the best bits and bobs from different systems and are trying to put them together to make a universe, or not a universal, but make the best system. This season, they're doing sci-fi games. And one of the things they decided at the beginning they needed to have in sci-fi games was the wow factor. So I, I do think there's a lot to that wow factor. And having that wow factor, something that rocks players back and knocks them out of their socks, you know, is a big part of making that session memorable and enjoyable and, and really keeping people coming back to a game. So I think there's a lot to the wow factor. And as far as the rule three, I need to leave another message. Wow, Jason, I've got to cut in. <laughs> oh, Jason makes me laugh. Every every time I, I, I go like seven or eight days without a po podcast, you, f you think I'd faded from the scene. <laughs> and I'll, I always get a welcome back from Jason. I, I don't know, some, it makes me wonder if my episodes don't always get out there or something. You'd, you'd think I'd been gone forever, lost in the wilderness of non-gaming. Yeah, it's all right. I'm still here. I'm still here. You'll be demoralized to know. As far as the rule three, and I don't mean three clues for a mystery, although I'm a big fan of that rule three as well, but the idea of three options and three things and talking about the number three and you're talking about how it works cognitively, I've seen that other places too. Two or three, maybe four, but on the average, three is a good number for people to be able to keep options in their head. So I know, like, during defensive tactics, they would show three different options to, like, counter a move or something like that. And the idea is if you show somebody 20 different ways to counter a punch or, or disarm somebody, it's you end up with analysis paralysis. Where if you just have three moves, three counters or three attacks or three whatever that you really drill into, then you can default right to one of those three. So I think there really is something with the number three and the way our brains work. And there is a thing of having too many options, which is the reason people should sell their excess games. I'm out. 
And there we go with an example of the rule of three and not that one. Not that one he's talking about. I'm talking about the AAA, Airborne Army Archives. <laughs> At least that's what I think it is. Recollections from my old buddy Jason of back in the day. I think, I think that's what defensive tactics is uh, a reference to. And then it sounds, as he explains it, it sounds more and more like a kind of a Connolly war story, which I love. I love a Connolly war story. They always uh, throw a little bit of light on things, and it makes total, total sense. The analysis paralysis is definitely a thing, and you can apply this to a load of stuff. And pruning down your game collection. If you've only got, say, three games to choose from, that, that makes uh, the decision of what to do way more easy. It ties in perfectly with this business of talking about gaming back in the day when when i was a kid it was not really what we're going to play it's just when are we playing dnd again you know keep it simple stupid talking cognitively then this is to do with working memory uh, that that part of your memory and the research at one point said five was quite a, a good number uh, and then they it, it varies from individual to individual but they they pruned that back, suggesting that it might even be more accurate to say two or three. And there you go, there's your three again. So it's it's nice to back up some of our theories with a bit of science. Uh, I find it interesting. Hope you do too. And big thanks to Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast for his a little bit of insight and... Um, Love that stuff, love it. So cheers, Jason. And there you go, that is a wrap. A big thanks goes out to the pit crew, the generous folks supporting my endeavours over on Spike Pit Patreon, and a big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.